0: Boy, am I glad to be back to normal again. My apologies to everyone that was hoping for what may have been a short but good Royal Rumble Predictions episode last week. But I was under the weather. Truth be told, last Sunday I ate some bad stuff. And next thing you know, I'm hugging the toilet for the next week. It was worse than drinking expired lemon juice. Oh, you never drank expired lemon juice. It, believe me, it's it's bad. It's very, very bad. No, this this was a uh, something else. This was something entirely that I did not expect would ever happen to me. This was the stomach flu. Let's just say it was a rough week, and I'm glad it got better by Friday. Um, since the 10 days of silence, a lot has happened. I, for one, could not get to enjoy the last two days that I had for Tumblr Live. Although I did get to say farewell to some of the people. Others thought that I may have been ignoring them. I'm not going to tell anyone that I felt sick to my stomach. Although I should have. With the massive amounts of times I got to hear. Are you okay? Do you want to talk? Is everything okay? It's going to be okay. We're going to survive this. No, I'm not crying. My heart fucking hurts. (laughs) It hurts. It hurts. My chest hurts. My body hurts. I'm in tears because my stomach hurts. And I was regurgitating. Yeah, never mind. You don't want to know. Um... They thought I was sweating. While I was sweating, they thought I was crying about an app leaving. And I just kept saying, no, please stop talking. My body hurts. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I was in pain. My insides, let's just say my insides were boiling like a witch's cauldron, bubbling up with so many ingredients. It also didn't help that on that Monday night, Tumblr Live had finished its last contest. Oh my god. You know what's the worst part? Over in the little corner, right over there, was a countdown on when or what time that would end. But evil, why is that bad? Okay, listen, have you ever been so stressed out and anxious that in the pit of your stomach in in and right there on the pit of your stomach, everything starts to make noises like there was so much noise down there it was hard to feel comfortable to feel any kind of i don't know is woo. I was uncomfortable, and I had a countdown right in my face, okay? Like, right there, right in my face. I would be, I was, sometimes, sometimes I would be talking to friends to, like, ignore the countdown. Just look at the chat. Ignore the countdown. But after they would stop, I figured they left, which would have me going, like, I'm looking back at the clock. Uh, the pain would come back. I was a wreck. I came, I came on to hang out with friends or for maybe two hours, and enjoy the last of those in the contest to see if I place, and maybe I get to cash out again. Two hundred dollars. It worked last time, and I get this countdown. That's always there. But I never cared for. Never. I never cared about the countdown. But I end up caring about this one? What? Because it's right in my face. And I'm hurting. And I'm like, oh my god. If that countdown reaches zero. Or, you know, you need to go to the bathroom. On your way home. You're almost home. Like right when you see your house. Right there. Right around the corner. Right where you see your house. You turn the corner. And you're almost there. And then you feel it in the pit of your stomach. Oh shit, I gotta go to the bathroom now. I have to go. I'm gonna pee in my pants if I don't get out of this fucking car and go to the bathroom. And that was me during the countdown. Right as it was getting to ten minutes. Oh my god. My stomach is killing me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Ugh. It was the last contest live. After I played the final countdown one too many times by Europe, by the way, the contest ended. I said my farewells, ended, and went to sleep. Ooh boy. Until the next day. I didn't sleep well. I kept waking up. It, was, it felt like COVID all over again. And I just couldn't sleep. So Tuesday, I tried telling everyone that I will be on TikTok from now on. I'll stop by to support them, but I'm going back home. The live ended too early and everyone freaked out. I went on TikTok to hang out for a bit. But you could tell I was still dealing with the stomach flu. And so I was told by a few friends in the chat few other people that I didn't know anything about everybody in the chat they all care they care TikTok live cares I understand I was told to go to sleep and not come back until I felt better wait is this the app I was avoiding all year wasn't I saying that this app was toxic and problematic all year long and ghosting it was good for me in the long run Yet here I am. Coming back like it's home. And these are my family. These are my people. <sighs> I could have done an audio. But I didn't. Back in 2020 when President Trump was bowing to get rid of TikTok. Apparently. A lot of people left because they thought it was going to actually happen. When and certainly didn't happen, of course, they all came back with an audio. There's this audio. Hey! Hey!
1: How y'all doing?
0: And it's basically describing them as bringing back their suitcase and moving right back in. Like nothing even happened but it did. I could have done this one, but instead I chose to do something different. After a 10-year absence from WWE, hell froze over, as they say, and CM Punk came back as Survivor Series. The next time we saw Punk was on Raw, telling the fans that he was home. Yes, I went with that one. I'm sorry. I know it was cheesy. I get it. But as a wrestling fan, you would get it too. I too related to Punk. Leave a place where you know you're being overlooked and not respected. Go elsewhere and shit on everyone. And then come back when you can't find anyone else. But as he said said in that promo, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. That is the only difference that I can see between myself and the chick magnet. I have a lot of friends here on TikTok. TikTok. And as told, and as I told someone who came into my life a few days ago and asked me if I was going anywhere else, why start over somewhere? You're just going to be overlooked when you have a niche right here. See, uh, I'm so right, niche. I'm so like I I love I love this up so much. The part where niche, I just keep thinking of. Eric from Boy Meets World saying niece instead. Why start over somewhere where you're just going to be overlooked when you have a niece right here? Anyway, I get to meet me, the POF, the Clapper, and uh, you now, But I am happy here with my friends, with people that I actually like. <laughs> I am not shitting on those apps. They have great... People, if you're soaring or becoming a top batch they're good for you. I'm not good at the social climbing things, as you can tell, but my whole year on Tumblr Live. But what I am good at is this. Making content. Okay, making content sounds bad, doesn't it? Making content on TikTok. How's that? How's that better? Better? Yeah. Doing lip syncing videos with people that are friends or potentially going to be my friends. Having fun. I am thankful and grateful for the opportunity I had on Tumblr Live. I grew. I built up confidence. I built up a following. And that following came with me. Follow-up behavior. Let's see how we can make that grow on TikTok. A troll called me that. It was a joke. It became a meme among friends. I turned it into a shirt. Sold it. Here we are. Look at us. Look at us now. Who would have thought... Welcome back, my father's behavior squad. We have officially been kicked out of Tumblr Live. And are officially taking up residency on TikTok Live instead. So now I can officially say that I am still Evo. And we are coming to you from... Under the apron of TikTok Live. I said I was grateful for the exposure on Tumblr Live. I left this place to become somebody or grow elsewhere... And I'm grateful for a lot of other things, but let's not pretend that more growth isn't going to happen here. Season three, everybody, let's go. Let's just say we're Buffy the Vampire Slayer moving to a new network from the WB to UPN, from the small facilities of Tumblr Live to the time of TikTok Live. Oh, yeah, brother. Great. I just compared myself to Buffy. I have no problems at all. But let's just see how much trouble we can get into. Um, I don't want to ignore the elephant in the room. So let's talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble. I say a little bit because it felt a bit off. And I only want to talk about two matches. Two things. Of course, we're going to skip the middle matches. Kevin Owens vs. Paul Logan, which ended in a DQ. Paul Logan. I'm sorry. Logan Paul. I don't even know his fucking name. I don't care. Logan Paul hasn't defended the U.S. Championship since he won it back in November against Rey Mysterio. And of course, we all knew Roman Way- Reigns. Roman Reigns was going to come out the winner of this Fatal 4-Way match against Orton. Andy Orton, LA Knight and AJ Styles with the help of Solo Well Let's talk about the the Royal Rumble matches. The first match should have been the main event, we all know that, because of the surprise entrance, but I say that every year, I said that last year too, and the year before. Natalia came out at number one, and the returning Naomi came out at number two, who we all know was in TNA while she was gone. Immediately the surprises started happening with the number five entrant, the TNA knockout champion, Jordan Grace, who did such an amazing job in the ring, and say later... That this isn't over with any of the women in the ring, but it got unfortunately thrown out by Bianca Belair. Another awesome thing in this match and the men's Royal Rumble was that they started showing who has been in the ring the longest. Uh moving fast, to, moving right along to number seventeen, Zelina Vega, who is always cosplaying or wearing an awesome outfit. This time it was Mercy from Overwatch, inspired. Thanks to everyone on Twitter for letting me know that. I appreciate you guys. (laughs) Oh, it it looks like this one on Android on this other game. No, it's Mercy from Overwatch. Relax, relax, calm down. Chill, chill. Whoo, whoo, calm down. Number 24 was supposed to be Valhalla, but from behind, R2 sneaks by... To slide in the ring and wonder where all the men were. He even thought the Women's Royal Rumble was supposed to be the main event. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Strew speaks the truth, right? Um, Unfortunately for him, Nia Jax threw him out. Yeah, take it easy, Twitter. Take it easy. Adam Pearce ordered Truth to leave and allowed Valhalla to get in the ring, only to get kicked out right away and go after Truth. Number 27 29 are two entrants from NXT, Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton, showing why they belong and soon will be on the main roster. Number 28, however, was a, pr- was a surprise for many. Former AEW TVS champion Jay Cargill came out and was featured as a massive star. You know, more massive than she ever was on AEW, I believe. But anyway, you can't say that either because then somebody else gets mad. Um She lifted Nia Jax and threw her over the top rope. Number 30 was a returning Lib Morgan who, for the second year in a row, came out in the Christina Aguilera from the Dirty music video Inspired Clothing. Dirty. There was a lot of big moments in the Women's Rumble but to me, what stuck out the most was Jade Cargill and Bianca Belair having a stare down but not touching each other until a possible match somewhere along the road. Winner of the match was Bailey, who came out at number three and now lasted 63 minutes and three seconds, beating Rio Ripley's record from last year of 61 minutes and eight seconds from the number one entry. As for the Men's Royal Rumble, oh, it was said the reason why it fell so fast was because the women ran the ring and didn't take their time. The men took their time to get in the ring. Case in point, Omaz. Omaz took his sweet-ass time to get in the ring. Um, number one entry went to Jay Uso and marrying his wife Naomi's number two entry was Jimmy Uso. Of course, they went straight to work against each other. Another return came in the form of Andrade. I tweeted Cien, which was his former name on NXT, Andrade Cien Almas. After we get the for Super Prize, NXT wrestlers are Carmelo Hayes. Everyone had their favorite moment. Mine came in the form of number 7, Santos Escobar. Number 9, Dominic. and Number 10, Carlito. All four of these men represented my people. Mi gente. Órale. The last time this many Latino wrestlers went in the ring was at the 1997 Royal Rumble, which had luchadores from A, Pierrot, cibernetico, Latin lover, and mil mascaras, who didn't understand the rules of the Royal Rumble, and just basically eliminated himself by flying over the top rope. Yahweh. Number 20 went to the other NXT star, Braun Breaker, who came in and just broke everyone with spears. (laughs) Again, I can't wait for him to show up on the main roster. Hopefully soon, rather than the night after WrestleMania 40. Hopefully soon. Number 21 was the returning Omaz, who had a stare down with Braun, but that barely lasted as 22 came from Pat McAfee. Who was sitting on commentary. Went in the ring. Saw how big Omaz was. And then left. Was that supposed to be someone's spot? Perhaps. You know. Beast Incarnate. Anyway. Number 24. Went to R-Truth. Who didn't even get in the ring. Until he was tagged by Dom. (sighs) He thought it was a tag team match. And even then. As soon as he did. He started doing John Cena's. You can't see me. Five knuckle. Shuffle. Move. 27 was for CM Punk. And 30 went to Sammy Zayn. But I guess we were all expecting The Rock. Since his little speech about sitting at the head of the table. Turns out he meant the TKO Group Holdings table. As he's now a member of the board. Uh, I heard Braun replaced Brock. Maybe. 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 Okay, sure. So you mean to tell me Dominic would have thrown Brock out? Okay. The last two in the ring were CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, who took probably five minutes to try to take each other out. CM Punk went at the camera and hit Cody with a pedigree. Then he tried hitting a knee to the face, but Cody grabbed onto it only to get him thrown out of the ring. Cody Rhodes wins, and he goes on to WrestleMania for to try and finish the story again. Uh, before I end this, two things. Number one, CM Punk came back to the Rumble, and reports are now saying he is out with a torn tricep. And two, Cody Rhodes has this to say.
1: Good "Apology. I'm sorry about what happened at
2: WrestleMania 39. But, we are
1: going to WrestleMania 40!
2: It's been a long night, I won't keep you here. An amazing show, an amazing crew, an amazing
1: production. When I come to Tampa, when I come to St. Pete, sometimes
2: I try and stay and keep to myself. And the reason is, This is dusty territory.
1: So I thank you very much for making it Cody territory.
2: I love you guys all so much. Have a great night. And I'll see you next time. Great night, guys. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods, If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And
1: I'm Dawn. And if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself, oh my god, that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers. Or seen a movie and thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately.
2: Then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast, I Hate It, Let's Watch It. We watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris.
1: And movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber, and Devil Illusions. And we give them the total rinsing they deserve. It's basically group therapy for movie masochists. So come check us out
0: wherever you stream podcasts. On the book half of the episode, we're moving right along with Glow on Netflix, episode 2 of season 2. For those that are new about this, this is a recap and review podcast of the TV series Glow on Netflix, a show about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling that was set in the 80s. At times, I will have bits of trivia here and there, but times that have changed with additional interviews from the creators, directors, or stars of the show throughout the years. All in all, it makes for an awesome episode. If you haven't yet watched Glow, suggest you do so and follow along as I recap and tell you what I thought of the episode. Episode 133 is the episode where I talk about the first season and pilot episode of Glow if you want to go back and listen to past episodes. This week's episode is titled Candy of the Year. Subnosis, the ladies get creative when Sam forces them to compete for airtime. Debbie discovers the producer life isn't quite what she'd hoped. Written by Nick Jones, who was also a producer on Orange is the New Black and Duolo, directed by Mike a Mark A. Burley, director and producer known for Glow, Orange is the New Black, Weeds, Murder She Wrote, and Simon and Simon. He has also worked on a number of TV movies of the week, including Mrs. Santa Claus and Hiroshima Out of the Ashes. Mark directed the series finale of Orange is the New Black and has received four Emmy nominations in the Producer's Guild of America Award. Uh, The group arrives at the gym and Jenny quietly uses a walkie-talkie to tell Ruth that there are four late arrivals. She replies to send them to the front row on the left. Inside the ring, the beat-down beaties knock down Sheila the She-Wolf. Bad says to call the ASPCA that it's animal cruelty. Ruth tries to stop a woman from going backstage, then sees that it's Justine. They give each other a hey moment and Justine moves on. As the match continues, Cam gives direction to the camera, Russell telling him to turn on to the audience. He tells him in another cameraman, Phil, to find some energized faces. They can't. They're all bored out of their heads. In the ring, Keith reminds Sheila on the ground that she's supposed to lose the match. She replies that she'll only go when it's her time and he tells her that it is. She growls, knacks down, dawn, and rises. Sam asks why the match is not over yet. He turns, sees Justine, and tells her he's working. She tells him she can't find her house key. He says it's in the jacket on the chair. Back in the ring, Sheila finally stays down, and Keith does a fast count to finish the match. Bash declares the biddies the winners. A victory for the old and aged One finally glimmer of hope before they're both six feet under. Justine asks Sam if he's coming home for dinner, telling him there's no food in the house. He tells her to take out $50 out of the wallet. She comments that it's a lot and she'll use the extra on drugs. Sure, why not? Ruth comes in saying that she wanted to make sure Justine found Sam. She sees Justine and comments that she guesses she did. He asks what it is about live taping. That they don't understand. Justine exits. Root asks if he wants her to do anything. Since she's not wrestling. He tells her to assume he doesn't need anything. And doesn't want to see her. She exits as well. As she heads back down. Russell asks her if it's just him. Or if the show is dragging Harry ass. She tells him it's harder than it looks. And he says it better be if he puts his best wrestler in instead of punishing her for making a boss's hell title sequence. Bash introduces Debbie Liberty Bell as a mother and a fighter. Root sighs and stares. The GLOW title sequence comes on the screen. The group is watching this on a television back at the hotel. Bash asks Liberty Bell how it felt for her to win the Crown Fair and Square, only for it to be stolen by welfare queen. Liberty Bell comments that we do not work to see the spoils go to freeloaders. She says that if Welfare Queen wants it, she'll have to fight her in a real match. Jenny asks if Debbie has better lighting than them, now that she's a producer. Melrose calls it the internal glow that comes from power. Debbie joins the group as they all continue watching. The program now showing Welfare Queen lounging on a chair and sipping on a drink. Debbie comments that Seth looks way better on television than in person. Melrose and Jenny look annoyed that Debbie is there. Ruth gets up, apologizes to Debbie for her being punished for her mistake. She tells her that Sam is angry and that's why she had to fight Big Ruth instead of Zoya, the destroyer. Debbie says that that isn't why. Liberty Bell already vanquished Zoya and is now chasing well for her queen. She tells Ruth that she is in the center of the story. Right, agrees Ruth, saying that the episode turned out great. She asks if Sam liked it. The scene cuts to Sam back in the gym, who tells the girls that Thursday's show dragged. He says that the matches were too long, and when he cut away to the audience it looked like they've just eaten a big Thanksgiving dinner. Bash interrupts asking if he should sit for the girls in case he has any notes for the announcer or if he wants him to stay with him. What? he asks flatly. He tells the girls that from now on, instead of shooting five bloated matches that he has to Frankenstein together in editing, they're only going to film three. They'll audition them before the show and he'll pick the best three. Rhonda asks if this means they're not all going to be on television every week. He agreed that this is the case saying that them all being on every week was Bash's idea. Bash explains that his original idea was going to be a cash bonus, but he looked into it and they can't afford it. Sam told him that fear is also a great incentive. Sam replies that what he said was competition and Bash agrees that he did. Sheila says that she loves competition, that it turns out to hurt and encourages innovation. Sam agrees that this is great and tells the girls that there are certain matches he wants to see at the week's audition. Welfare for queen still ducking, Britannica versus Sheila, Beirut versus Machu, Liberty Bell versus Fortune Cookie, and Biddy's versus Melrose. Ruth raises her hand. He answers and she asks what he wants from her. He gives the match as Zoya versus Junk Chain. Ruth tells him that Yolanda just started training and doesn't know any of the moves. Sam replies that she had moves when he saw her. She says that she has those moves, but she's level one with wrestling. He replies that we Yolanda's can-do spirit and Ruth will do anything spirit, they'll figure something out, and Carmen's there to help with the technical stuff. Everyone immediately starts calling for a session with Carmen, leading Ruth to gripe that it's not fair, given that she and Yolanda need the most help. Sheila tells her that it's a divs based system, not a needs-based one. Melrose agrees that Dibs is law. Bash tells Sam that he thought things went well and asks if they can get a team dog. Sam gives a flat no. He suggests a ferret and gets another no. Debbie comes into their office asking if they might like to include all the producers the next time they have a production meeting. He asks what she means, that they had drinks. Bash says that they would have invited her, but she had to go home to her baby. She asked him to tell her that there's a meeting and she won't go home. Sam tells her that they have only have six days to get everything for the next episode of It all starts over again, and he doesn't have time to check in with her every time he needs to make something happen. She says that she'll make dinner tonight. They'll get bourbon and they'll come over and they'll go over to show for the week. Sam turns to look at Bash, who signals that he doesn't want to. Sam tells her that he can't, that he has a kid. She asks if he's referring to the 16-year-old he's letting run wild around Los Angeles. Eight o'clock, she says. Your kid can find a babysitting. She leaves. Artie makes a costume, a vest, to blow herself up. Jenny stares at her, and she explains that it's her concept to kill Beirut, who she hates. Out from the smoke, a new character arises, Phoenix, with red and yellow face paint and hair. A living flame, nimble, seductive, and ethically neutral. Huh, red and yellow face paint. Hmm, that's not going to go well with someone else. Jenny tells her that she hopes Sam will say yes, that it sounds Rad. Beirut asked Don and Stacy the bitty what they're going to do, and they reply that they don't know yet. Beirut turned to Sheila and Rhonda, but Sheila covered Rhonda's mouth, telling her not to tell them anything. Tame sits down with Bash. She tells him that when she was audience coordinator for *Family Feud*, they crank up the air conditioning, and it would really wake up the audience. Bash wonders if the gym even has any air conditioning. She tells him that you also need to make sure the girls don't get nipply. Debbie enters, telling Bash that she will see him tonight and that she's making fondue. She also gives Sam the address in case they want to carpool. Bash says he's read about carpooling. De- Tammy is excited about the idea of a team dinner boost morale or something like that. Debbie tells her that it's directors and producers only, but they could make B do that next time. Bash ask if the chairs are too comfortable.
1: Are you struggling with a lack of access to captivating entertainment and media? Are you faced with constant judgment and ridicule from friends and family for your inability to respond appropriately to sensitive situations? If this sounds like you, you might be suffering from being emotionally dead inside. But it's not too late to make a change. One Nothing Podcast is a newly available treatment for being dead inside. Taken just once every two weeks, One Nothing could make a world of difference. By combining carefully measured dark humor to the amazing original formula of grizzly fatalities, One Nothing Podcast has successfully entertained thousands of people suffering from death inside. And with access across all podcast platforms, treatment has never been more readily available. But don't trust my word, Here's some real-world testimonials from a few of our listeners currently undergoing treatment.
2: From consistent doses of One Nothing Podcast, my posture has greatly improved due to being kept on the edge of my seat.
0: The One Nothing Podcast comes on, everybody be like, shut the f*** up. I be quiet, but when the episode's over, I be talking again.
1: Oh my gosh, buddy. I used to be on so many medications for blood pressure. And then I listened to One Nothing Podcast's episode on Kitty Genovese, moved into an apartment on my own, and haven't needed it since. That one really got my blood pumping. You know, listening to One Nothing Podcast, I'm, I'm not constipated anymore. I'm just full of shit. So what's stopping you from great entertainment? One Nothing Podcast is not intended for all audiences. Listeners under 18 years of age should obtain permission from your parent or guardian before downloading. Tell your therapist if you're predisposed to whining, complaining, leading podcasts poorly, being overall combative, or being easily offended as One Nothing Podcast might not be right for you. So stop letting great content pass you by. Talk to your therapist today to see if One Nothing Podcast is right for you.
0: Hey, it's Evo. We're going to get back to the episode you're listening to, but first, let me tell you about Dark Fake Creations. Dark Fate Creations are candles that are vibrant, colorful, marble tops, amazing, mouth-watering fragrances, fueled by lovely, braided cotton wigs. Paper threads woven into every cotton wick for a clean, romantic, slow, and consistent burn. Each candle is unique from the next as they are hand-mixed and hand-poured, right in Grass Valley, California. They use only coconut and soy waxes for a safer, cleaner, and longer burn time. That's almost 72 hours. That's like binging on all 130 episodes of the podcast. All fragrance blends have been heavily researched. Dark Recreations not only care about the look, fragrance, and quality of their candles and their other products, but also the effects they have in their customers' homes. So go to darkrecreations.com. The link will be in the show notes. Next scene, Ruth and Yolanda have lunch. Yolanda asks how long it would take her to learn the move, where she bends backwards and smashes her on the mat. Ruth realizes that she's talking about a suplex and tells her that it would take a long time. She tells her that they're not going to get on the show through wrestling alone. Yolanda suggests that she might wear a string bikini... And Ruth tells her she would never ask her to do that. That she finally left that life. Yolanda replies that Ruth's job is doing G-rated girl-on-girl in a one-piece. That she's not far from that life. (laughs) Ruth replies that she's not a stripper and Yolanda replies that she isn't either. Not full-time. Just once a week when her ex bartends. She likes to torture her by taking her clothes off. Ruth asks if she likes girls, and she replies that she loves girls. She says it's cool, and asks if Sam knows. She asks if Sam really needs to know about their personal life, if he knows about Ruth and that camera guy, Russell. Ruth tells her that she's not having sex with Russell. Yolanda tells her that Russell has been all over her, and she needs to hit that. Ruth looks uncomfortable, saying she doesn't want to. Yolanda tells her to relax and put her shoulders down. Ruth tells her that she isn't uptight. She just takes her job seriously and she doesn't need to mix. A car pulls up playing It's Like That by Run DMC. Yolanda gets up and asks the driver to turn it up while she dances. Or in this case, breakdances. Ruth smiles and points saying that this is the way to get on the show and asking if she can teach her that dance. You know it, replies Yolanda. Released on March 12, 1983, It's Like That was Run DMC's first single. It became a club favorite along with popular B-side sucker MCs. The song was written by the group's rappers Joseph, Ron Simmons, and uh, Darryl DMC McDaniels and their producer Larry Smith. There are no samples on the track which was programmed on an Overheim DMX synthesizer with local punctuations mixed in. It was Simmons who came up with the idea for the song after studying Curtis Blow and getting encouragement from his older brother Russell, Blow's manager, who encouraged him to tell stories in his raps and give him a wide apparel and give them a wide appeal through universal themes. I thought it just tell people that the world is like and how to improve themselves, said Run. This was the seed idea for It's Like That. This was a song that convinced Russell Simmons to work with the group. His younger brother Joseph had been pestering him for a while, but Russell instead insisted he finished high school before making a record. Run and DMC, who hadn't yet teamed up with Jam Master J, worked together, honest like that, with DMC adding some lyrics and hooks to Run's song. The pair graduated high school and went to separate colleges, Run to LaGuardia Community College studying mortuary science, and DMC to St. John's University. Teaming up with Jam Master Jay, they recorded a song with Russell's Rush Productions, getting lots of help from Rush's medical director, Larry Smith. Russell was so impressed with the track that he sent them on his Fresh Fest tour with Nucleus and Houdini and helped them record their debut album. In 1998, house music producer Jason Nevins remixed this and the new version became the most successful rap single in the UK, spending six weeks at number one and topping the charts in 30 other countries, including Germany. Nevins received a standard fee of $5,000 for his efforts. When this reached number one, Run-DMC became the first band to wait over 10 years being between their first hit, Walk This Way, in and their first chart-topper in the UK. NJ.com, New Jersey.com. I'm assuming, published an interview with the Nicaraguan-born Shakira Barrera on August 9, 2019. Barrera sent out an audition tape and dancing reel of casting directors Jan Houston and Elizabeth Barnes, just what they needed to cast Yo-Yo, a Mexican-American former stripper. The character would be taking over the wrestling persona of Chung a street wise rapper, first played by Cherry Bang, said Sidal Noel. I was like, damn, she's the real deal, says Houston, who lives in Verona and grew up in West Caldwell. We usually have to do more than one round, but we didn't because Shakira nailed it. It was just the perfect blend of all my training and all my hard work, Barrera says. The choice raw couldn't have arrived soon enough. Barrera had just signed with a new agency after months without representation. In the meantime, she taught Zumba classes and worked out five days a week with a team called Glow. The happy bit of foreshadowing is what Barrera calls her Glow men, a term cast members use when the show covers us with real life. In no time, Barrera became one of the ensemble mirroring the strong bonds between characters in the series. Glow started with a ragtag group of -of out-of-work actors and other underemployed people who found their voices through the power of friendship in the theater of wrestling. Barrera says that's why so many people can relate to Yo-Yo and other wrestlers. We all feel like a misfit, like we don't fit in sometimes, she says. You're not the cool kid. We've all been there. We all have imposter syndrome at one point or another. I think watching the show and seeing these women go through these journeys and kind of winning, especially in the season, I think that this is really interesting, to see people who don't think they belong, and they're actually belonging. Barrera, who is a Nicaraguan American heritage, had been a fan of the first season and diverse cast, but thought Khloe needed a Latina character. At the Screen Actors Guild Awards in January, where the show was nominated for Best Ensemble, Barrera wore the colors of the Nicaraguan flag, carrying a free Nicaragua clutch. She wanted to draw attention to political unrest in the country where people have called for the resignation of President Daniel Ortega and protesters have died in clashes with the government. Barrera supports the non Amigos de Nicaragua, Azul y Blanco, which provides humanitarian aid and covers legal fees for refugees. There aren't a lot of Nicaraguans in the industry, so I just thought that would be a good role to be filled, Barrera says. I'm not scared to do it. The actress says it's been an honor to receive positive feedback from fans about Yo-Yo's, Latina's, and sexual identity. I feel like the LGBTQ community is so underrepresented. So for me to represent a community that is waiting to see themselves is a lot of pressure, she says. That was my number one concern, going to the season and playing a lesbian character. I wanted them to feel proud, to see themselves. Next scene, Ruth and Yolanda head to the hotel and they start doing a breakdancing montage to the song on a piece of cardboard. Nostalgia. I love that. They brought out the piece of cardboard. Ruth is a quick learner and already comes in to see them practicing. She asks if she's doing a white girl trying to breakdance act. For the match. Ruth tells her... She asks if you're doing a white girl trying to break dance act for the match. Ruth tells her that they're doing a white girl does break dance act. Artie says that is spot on. That white girls definitely talk like that. Outside the gym, Sam and Bash bid Tammy goodnight. Bash asks Sam, you're not going to this dinner tonight, are you? Sam asks if he meets Debbie's and agrees that he's definitely not. Bash says that he thought the whole idea of her getting a producer title was to make the star happy. Sam agrees that it is. Bash says that he's the producer, that she doesn't even put any money into it. Bash goes in for a hug and pats Sam in the back, who is confused about the hug. Bash says that the first woman want a room of their own, then stay at the table, then for men to come and eat at the table, even if the table all the way out in Pasadena. And he's like, what happened to the room? Tammy looks all troubled. Later on, Justine meets with her boyfriend, Billy, at the venue of his band, Shit Pope, he tells her he'll be in the pit while she's out there selling the merch. Next scene, Debbie sets the table at home. Her doorbell rings. It's Tammy. She tells Debbie that it's a great house and gives her a gift of booze. She asks what she's doing there. Tammy tells her flat that Sam and Bash aren't coming. She says that she was surprised too. That she loves fondue. Back at his band, Billy thanks Mr. Toad's Wild Ride for having them introduce a the song. So, back at his band, Billy thanks Mr. Toad's Wild Ride for having them introduce a song called "Morning in America." That's "morning" with a U. They play punk rock and sing a song about getting over on big business. Justine rocks along to the song. She tells some people in front of her that they're blocking her view. A girl gives her the finger and tells her that she should move. So Justine does. She stands in front of the girl. When the girl complains, Justine shoves her back. The two fight. Billy sees what is happening and breaks it up. He asks her what the hell is she doing. He's playing a show. As she's dragged out by a bouncer, she, Justine shouts at him, telling him to sell his own merch. Becca, at Debbie's, Tammy tells her that when they fight, it needs to be matched to the century, like Rocky and Apollo, and they have to build it up. Debbie says that they already are. It's why Sam is having her duck out, to build suspense. Tammy says that it's not enough, that they have to do more posters and radio ads and even billboards if they can. She asks if they can afford billboards. Debbie admits she has no clue. Debbie tells her to find out. She's a producer, after all. Debbie replies that being a producer is like Tammy's plastic crown. Just because it's shiny and you fought for it doesn't make it worth more than a party favor. She says that Sam and Bash don't listen to her and Tammy replies that they will when she gives them what they need. Debbie asks what that is. Tammy tells her that she ha- she's had a lot of jobs. A bookkeeper, a meter maid, and a factory where they made airline food. She's learned that if you want to be respected, you have to make yourself useful. Unless you're a white man, in which case you have to just show up and wait around and you'll eventually get promoted. She says that it's late and she has to go, thanking Debbie for the fondue. Debbie tells her she's glad that they had this nemesis time. Seeing that she's a little tipsy, she asks if she's okay to drive. She says that she's fine, pulling out a chocolate bar, telling Debbie that sugar wakes her up. She says that candy is cheaper than drugs and better than coffee. Debbie agrees that everyone likes candy. At home, Sam smokes and pours himself a drink. Justine arrives home, holding a cloth to her head. He asks her what happened. She explained that she got in a fight and she called him to pick her up. But he didn't answer his phone because he doesn't care. He tells her that he thought the call was from his ex-wife. She slams the door and he complains about her not having left a message. She comes back with a bag and he asks her if she's leaving where she and where she's going to go, if she's going back to Sacramento. She tells him that she already said she can't go back there because her mother, Rosalie, is crazy. He asks where and she sighs. He tells her to relax and let him see what happened. He looks at her head, then at the cloth she used and asks if it's a punk rock way of dressing a wound. He suggests that they could put the blood on all the t-shirts. He pulls out a first aid kit to properly treat the wound and has her dab it with an estrangement cloth. He tells her that he doesn't suddenly become a different person simply because she shows up. He asks her to stay saying they'll have awkward dinner sometimes. He says he wants her to stay, but she's going to have a curfew, especially on school nights. She points out that she doesn't go to school and he tells her that that's another thing that's changing. That his kids won't be a high school dropout. She tells him to slow down with the discipline and he says not to stop him. That so he's finding his parental boys. He then stops and admits that it's gone.
2: Movies and feelings. Pop, pop. Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring your own popcorn! to drink wine? Do you like to talk about your favorite things and rank them in categories? Then you have come to the right place. Welcome to The Sip List, a podcast where, you guessed it, we drink lots of wine and make lists of all our favorite things. My name is Amanda, and each week my guest and I will review a favorite wine we're drinking, or if they aren't cool enough to drink wine, then the lame beverage of their choice. And then we will rank our top five favorites of different things in different categories. You can expect to hear all kinds of things, from favorite horror movies to favorite Disney characters, favorite true crime books to favorite women in history. The episodes will be diverse, but they will always include wine, lists, and lots of laughs. You can find The Sip List on social media. On Facebook, just search The Sip List Pod. Be sure to like the page and join the private Facebook group for the most up-to-date info on everything that's happening. You can also find us on Instagram, at The Sip List Pod. I'm really excited to bring you guys some fun and amazing content, and I hope you'll join me on this journey. And until next time, whenever life is tough,
0: just keep sipping. Next scene, Sam arrives in the gym to find Debbie already there. She says that she brought him something and hands him a box. He asks if it's candy, and she tells him that it's not just candy. It's Nerds, the 1985 candy of the year. He tells her that while he appreciates her trying to suck up, as an adult male, he has to say, no thank you. Bash comes in, grabs the box, and says that he loves nerds. That they're like great nuts, except not healthy at all. Debbie agrees, telling Sam that he's not getting it. She talks about her proposal to keep the audience awake with candy, and Sam says that perhaps it's idealistic that he was hoping the show would keep them awake Bash tells him that the performer frees off the energy of the crowd, that he knows this being a performer himself. Debbie says that she's glad Bash gets it and that she has three cases in the car. They get started on the day's audition. The first match is the beatdown Bitties versus Melrose, who annoys them with loud music playing from the boombox. Both of them are wearing sleep masks trying to fight her blind. She sprays hairspray at them, fighting dirty. She pretends to read the label on the hairspray, saying that it was made in Three Mile Island, and is therefore radioactive. The biddies then toss off their old lady costumes, revealing themselves to be Nuke and Ozone, the Toxic Twins. Bash laughs, liking it. Melrose begs them to stop, saying she didn't mean anything. She turns off the music, but they take her down. Bash says that he loves the mutant gimmick. Outside, Artie complains that the transformation gimmick was her idea. They tell her that they just couldn't be old ladies anymore, that it was weighing on their self-esteem. They tell her she'll do fine. Playing off of the real life, the Beatdown Biddy's characters that they are based off of in real life, the Housewives, did in fact change their gimmicks the following year, and they were later known as Spike and Chainsaw, the Heavy Metal Sisters. Next scene, Sam says that they're going to see a lot of gimmicks today. Sheila, who's wrestling Ronda, tells him that they don't have a gimmick. They just want their match to be about pure technical wrestling. Sam asks if the pure wrestling has something to do with the male mannequin that Ronda is dressing up. Ronda says that the mannequin is just Thomas, her lover. She made him out of a spare parts after a real man broke her heart. Sam, put their head, Sam puts his head down. <laughs> they get down to fighting. It is, as they promised, an intense, straight match. Sam Sam says that it's good that he doesn't understand the mannequin. Asking if they're going to engage with it. Engage, quips Rhonda. Sam, we've only been on one date. Okay. Sam is annoyed and calls for the next match. The match is already and Carmen. She demonstrates her best draft to herself and how she'll blow herself up. Smoke will rise and then she'll emerge from the smoke as Phoenix. Sam tells her they already have a thing where someone magically changes to something. He asks her what else they have. Carmen says she didn't have much extra time because they were helping the others. Sam says they have nothing. He calls for the next matchup. Debbie thanking them for their time and vulnerability. Sam again interrupts and sings, Next! Yolanda enters the ring asking if they've seen Zoya, saying that the crazy Russian has been chasing her everywhere. She says that Zoya wants to fight her, but she doesn't want to. She has plans. Zoya enters and calls her out. She asks why she won't accept her challenge. She says she doesn't even know her and she was going to go down to Beat Street. Zoya asks what that is. Yolanda explains and Zoya says that it's American Ghetto Dancing. She wanted to try it, but only ballet is permitted in the Soviet Union, and being fresh is a punishable crime. Yolanda tells her she's lucky during the USA. Ruth bends down to press play on the boombox and is swept by the system. Yolanda starts breakdancing. Soya says that she could never, that she's too rigid. Yolanda tells her to feel the beat. Soya starts getting down, they break dance together, and Yolanda tells her she's not bad for an uptight Russian. Soya says that perhaps audience will join the alternative to wrestling as part of a larger entertainment. Sam and Bash snack on donuts on coffee outside. Sam says that the old lady's turning into gremlins when wet is in. Bash agrees that goes without saying. Debbie runs up agreeing that three makes it unanimous. Sam says that with Livery Bell vs. Fortune Cookie headlining, they still need one match. Bash asks about Carmen and Sam says that she had nothing. Davy asks about Zoe and Yolanda. Bash seems to like the idea, but Sam doesn't. Bash asks why not and Sam replies that it wasn't real wrestling. Bash tells him that he's the one who said he wanted to break up the repetition and this could help keep the energy flowing. Like a halftime show. Debbie says she thought they were great. Sam says that he's not putting Ruth and Debbie. Ask if he's still punishing her. He knows she's good. Otherwise, he would have fired her and not Reggie. Bash agrees that he must do what is best for the show. So breakdancing it is. Ruth meets Sam in the director's booth. She asks if he's hiding from everybody and he says that's just her he's hiding from. She asks if they're back to joking again. He says that he's not. She thanks him for choosing her match, saying that she won't disappoint him, or she might, but it won't be her intention. He says he can't. He he says he can still cut her and run only Yolanda, or maybe ten minutes of a Christmas log. She says she's still going, telling him to enjoy his personal space. Downstairs, she strips over a cable and asks what it is. Russell explains that it's connected to his camera. She apologizes, and he tells her to thanks for the tug job. He apologizes himself and says, years of porn, not funny and sleazy. He says he wants to start over. Hi, nice to see you, and he tells her to have a good match. Sam comes down, complaining, and Russell tells him there was a technical issue. Sam looks down at Ruth, laughing with Russell, and tells him they start in 10 minutes. Ruth asks if she broke it. He holds it up, asking Zoya who she's fighting. Zoya says she is fighting Sexy Dancer, her girl who has moves like this. She demonstrated the pose, and he says he would like to see Star Wars system fight that off, and then says he's red scared. Upstairs, Sam watches as Zoya blows a kiss to the camera, and then cuts the feed. The show goes to credit, while Situation by Yazoo is playing. Situation, a 1982 single by British synth-pop band Yazoo, the song, was released in the UK as the B-side to Yahoo's. Debut single Only You, which went to number two in the UK singles chart. Released as a single in North America, the song peaked at number 73 on the Billboard 100 chart in the US and hit the top 40 in Canadian charts, peaking at number 31. In the late summer of 1982, it became Yasu's first song to top the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart. Remaining at number one in this chart for four weeks, it also crossed over to the Black Singles chart, peaking at number 31. It's most well-known version is the U.S. 12-inch remix by Francois Cabruchin. This version was included on the U.S. version of Yasu's debut album, Upstairs at Eric's, 1982, and is the version of the song which received the most airplay in the United States, where the song, despite its modest showing on the Hot 100, is still played on alternative variety hits and dance-oriented radio stations. In 1990, and again in 1999, the song was remixed by several noted DJs including. included including Peter Ruffer and Richard Humpty Vision. The 1999 remixes were released to dance clubs. In October the same year, this renewed interest in the song sent Situation number 1 on the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart for a second time. In 2006, Slant ranked the song at number 64 in its list of the 100 greatest dance songs. The song was heavily sampled in the Saturday's 2008 debut single, If This Is Love. Moyet's well, laugh at the start of the track has been sampled on several different recordings. Obviously, the episode is heavily influenced on the hip-hop side. Although it's not a centric episode about Yolanda, we do get to know a little bit about her. And we also learned that Debbie didn't just want to take the job as producer, just as a title, but to help the show as well. She's trying hard with the dinner with both Sam and Bash, but at the end of it, she still has to have one uh, she's still the one that came up with Solution with the candy and getting to back off-roof to let her do her thing. Uh, overall, it was a good episode. Um, hopefully Original Junk Chain is still miss uh, going to come up later in the show, later in the season. And I don't remember if Reggie really left the show after this. And hopefully they bring them up next episode. That's all for now for this episode. Hope you all enjoyed the recap of Glow on Netflix Season 2, Episode 2. As always, follow us on our socials to support us. From under the apron on Instagram, the threads, YouTube, apron underscore stories on Twitter. Follow me and join my live streams on TikTok at Evolution of the Geek, where you will also find me doing the unedited version of the podcast that will then be posted on YouTube. More info on the links on where you can listen or watch in the show notes. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or any other audio media you can listen to podcasts on. Don't forget to rate us and leave us a review. And if you feel you want a little bit more, go to patreon.com forward slash from under the apron podcast, support us on Patreon, become a top tier patron, and get patron privileges. And I will shout you out at the end of every episode. Like B, Menace Smiling, Chanel from the Nurse in Texas Podcast, Cloudy November from the Nose Attendance Podcast. I'll have the link to these podcasts in the show notes so y'all can check them out. Big shout out to my father's behavior squad who show up to the live stream to watch the podcast Lil Linguini, The Darkest Queen Rose 004, Kimmy, Toasted Bagel, Disc Girl, Moss Queen 662.D.Montana, Not JJ, Tiffany Defense Girl, Aquarius TV, Spooky Spice, Collector, Miniature Mommy. Age of Shadow 666, Princess and the Weed, Brando 1976, Cheshire Cat Smile, Forever Jane, Mister Meatball 86, Brown Dog, Undercover Kit Kat, Two Lit Girls, Eelsberry 10, Custom Dot Secrets, Mike Underscore Wes 92, Sahara of Darkness, E Bunny 06, Angela Carmona, Mister Misery, Andy Yaco, Mosty, Donovan Forrest, Mander. Apes Nursing two one two four one one and Pleasure Passport three If I haven't said it yet, get twenty percent off of the adult toys when you enter discount code Evo at PleasurePassport.shop. That's discount code E V O. Link will be in the show notes. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast, either on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash from the April co- Podcast, or if you watch live on TikTok, Get your name shout out. Support the podcast. Check out the show notes for links to other podcasters that you heard in this episode. Send us a message for your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, ratings, or requests. And our email is fromundvigayprim at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Join the live and being a huge part of the community. Tell your friends. Join us next time for more behind-the-scenes stories, movies, and TV show reviews when we come to you from Undvigayprim. I'm Evo. I'm proud of y'all. And I love your faces. Follow me on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok.